You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 39. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapist Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone, and saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option. Automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or private practice. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have five or 50 students, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com slash podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Morgan Sparks. Morgan is owner of Rhythm Garden Music, LLC, where she offers music therapy services, early childhood arts programming, and private music lessons in her hometown of Jasonville, Indiana population less than 3,000. Morgan also serves as president of her state's Music Therapy Association. She and her husband, Brandon, have been married three years and are parents to Ian, their 17-month-old, very energetic little boy. Morgan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's start with you giving us a little bit of background about your career and how you became a music therapist. So I had an unconventional route to becoming a music therapist. I'd always been interested in music um, all through elementary school and high school, and I was in choir and band and and did everything you could do music-wise um, when I was in high school. But I did nothing with music when I went to college the first time around. I actually went as a biochemistry major. Um, I wanted to go into biomedical research. And I ended up um, not doing as well as I would have liked in those classes. Um, and figured out very early on that uh, med school was probably not um, where was I was going to end up. So I changed my major to psychology and graduated with a psych degree. Um, 
and I really wasn't sure after um, not going into biomedical research, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I had some friends after I graduated say, hey, you should really look into teaching kinder music. I think you would be really good at it. And I thought, that's crazy. I am not much of a kid person. and I definitely have zero interest in being any kind of an educator. Um, but I, for some reason, I ended up looking into the program and decided to take the, the course and become an educator. And um, I started teaching um, just a couple classes. Um, as I finished up, I had one class I had to go back and finish at DePaul. Um, my first degree was at DePaul University. Um, and then after I finished up all of my coursework, I got a job full-time as a family preservation case coordinator. Um, it was through an agency that re received referrals um, from Child and Family Services and Juvenile Probation. So totally different spectrum than obviously music therapy and very different um, types of family dynamic than what I had um, in my kinder music classes. Um, but I enjoyed it and I felt like my kinder music classes was kind of my sanity. And I noticed that people would talk to me a lot and, and would just open up. So I ended up looking into programs for a master's in counseling. And when I looked into the master's in counseling, I just stumbled across music therapy and I thought, oh, how perfect. That was a really good mesh between what I was doing with the kinder music and seeing what a difference the music made with those kids and in the families and seeing that, hey, there's actually a career where I can use music in that way um, to make lives better. Um, so since I had absolutely no college level music experience, I ended up returning to school for a second bachelor's. Um, I went to St. Mary of the Woods in Terre Haute and I finished that in two and a half years while I was still teaching my, my kinder music classes. And I ended up in that span of time adding private lessons, um, and I had left my full-time job as a family preservation coordinator, and I was waiting tables on the side. So I was going to school, I was teaching, I was waiting tables. After I finished all my classes, I did a university-affiliated internship, because at that point, I had started building my business. I didn't want to move and leave that. Um, there were no... Um, national roster internships anywhere close to me and doing university affiliated really helped me um, grow some great networking opportunities and that led to a contract position with a waiver company and a part-time position with an inpatient mental health facility um, the waiver contract grew really quickly and that turned into a full-time position in less than six months and that actually caused me to go ahead and leave the mental health facility because I couldn't keep up both. And I worked at the waiver company for two and a half years. And I got a really random message on LinkedIn of all places about a hospice position. And they were, they'd opened a new hospice company and they were really interested in having a music therapist at that location. Um, they had music therapists elsewhere in their company. 
and I ended up taking that position per diem and I dropped a part time with the waiver company because at that point I felt like that change would help me move closer to what I really was wanting, which was full-time private practice. Um, four months later, I ended up leaving the waiver company that I had originally started with because my caseload with hospice was growing so much. And the day that I submitted my resignation to the waiver company, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, I left, that was in August of 2013. And I left the hospice um, company at the end of April of this year. Uh, and I finally went full-time with my business after having my business open for 10 years. So it's been it's been quite a journey. You have been all over the place, it sounds yes. like. <laughs> Isn't it funny how so many music therapists' career stories are like, I just stumbled upon music therapy and it was the perfect fit for me? I feel like I hear that so often. Mm-hmm. It is very funny. Yeah. So had you been planning – um, up until the point when you found out you're pregnant, had you been planning to start a family prior to that? Yes. Um, my husband and I at that point had been married. Um, when we got pregnant, we'd been married just under a year. Um, we knew that when we got married, we didn't want to wait too long because I was getting ready to turn 30 at, at the time. And, you know, we were concerned that just in case there were any problems, we wanted to go ahead and get started. And we wanted to, we planned to have at least two kids and we wanted to have a little space in between. And then also my parents are quite a bit older than my husband's parents. Um, they're actually about the same age as my husband's grandparents. So for me, it was really important that um, my children have the opportunity to have plenty of memories with my parents as well. So um, we actually decided to we just kind of said, okay, we're just going to stop preventing and, <laughs> and see what happens, um, figuring it would take like six to eight months to get pregnant. And that was um, June of 2013. And we got pregnant in July. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It was not what we had planned, but, you know, that's we made it work. Yep. That's, that's basically your introduction to parenthood. Most things yes. don't work out as planned. Yes. Yeah. So did that affect how you planned your next career moves then when you found out you were pregnant? Um, it did because at that point I had already um, made up my mind, okay, it's time to really start going for the full-time private practice. Um, but I was still moving kind of slowly because at that point I was still with the hospice and I hadn't actually added music therapy to my private practice. I was still only teaching the early childhood classes and um, doing private lessons. So once we found out we were pregnant, it's like, okay, we need to really plan start planning and figuring out when we're going to go full time with, with the business. Um, so I actually started um, looking into becoming a waiver provider because in Indiana, that's one of the um, primary ways to get, get paid for your services. Um, so I really started looking into that and just kind of planning ahead to what my scheduling would be with my classes and things like that. Okay. Okay. 
So did you continue working throughout your pregnancy then? I did. Um, I continued doing hospice and teaching all the way up to um, hospice. I stopped about a week and a half before my due date, and I actually taught classes until the day before my due date. Um, but I actually had probably the easiest pregnancy anyone can ask for. I was never sick. I felt fantastic. Um, I carried really well. I didn't often get tired. Um, but the only reason I stopped working when I did was because at that point my patience was very thin and I didn't have much of a filter. So (laughs) I was more afraid that I might snap at a client or one of my families. So I thought I would play it safe. Yeah. Understandable. Those last couple Mm -hmm. weeks are a little hairy. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when you've got everyone asking, oh, so you haven't had that kid yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, are you sure you're not carrying to all those random? And and we didn't find out what we were having. So of course, everyone's guessing, oh, you're carrying this way. So you must be having a boy or you're, you're doing this. You must be having a girl. So that just drove me crazy. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what were, did you have any challenges then since you had such a smooth pregnancy as a working music therapist while you were pregnant? Um, I did have a few. That winter happened to be the really, really bad winter. Um, And as a hospice therapist, I was traveling a lot. So I ended up canceling a lot of sessions um, just because I couldn't, it wasn't safe for me to drive wherever I was going. I live in a very, very rural area. So a lot of times roads didn't get cleared or I don't have cell signal. So I had to kind of take those things into consideration. And then also we were um, renovating a a house (laughs) So we, during my entire pregnancy, we lived in my studio while we, we gutted and renovated an old house. Seriously? Seriously. And actually the house did not get completed. We didn't get to move into it until Ian was, I believe, nine months old. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that in itself had to be a little bit of a challenge. I mean, not having the comforts of your regular home and the things that you normally are used to having. So Mm -hmm. how did you make that work? Um, just a lot of patience. Um, we had to be very creative with space. My, um, my office basically became our living area. Um, we have, I have a, a large main room and a waiting room, um, And then we have a smaller room that my husband uses as his private lesson space um, because he now teaches guitar and bass lessons at the studio. Um, And then we have my office. So that was basically my, our living space and it was very cramped and we had to be um, very creative with what we kept there. We were always, um, setting and resetting the bathroom space, um, which was also a challenge. Um, but fortunately for us, um, my, my family owns a restaurant and my studio just happens to be above the restaurant. So we had a kind of a built-in kitchen area, which was nice. Uh, that was, that was going to be my next question was how Mm -hmm. did you prepare food? Yeah. We went downstairs to the restaurant. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. So 
talk us through the end of your pregnancy and um, when it came time to have your son. Well, I was um, exactly two weeks late with my son. Um, I ended up being induced, um, which was not uh, what, what I was hoping not to have to do, um, but we, we ended up having to do that. Um, I went in to be induced on a Sunday evening and didn't have him until Tuesday afternoon. Um, so that was oh not the most, uh, not the most pleasant experience. What, um, but what was happening? Was it just, it wasn't progressing? Just progressing very, very, very slowly. I am, I, I the best investment, um, I think we made with that pregnancy was hiring a doula because she kept me so sane to get through that. I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. So were you in pain that whole time or were the contractions not even to the point where they were painful? Um, It didn't start getting painful until um, Monday morning. Um, That's when the contractions really started kind of going. Um, And of course... if you have Pitocin, that makes the contractions even worse. Right. Yeah, that was unpleasant. Uh, so I ended up getting an epidural about, oh, I think it was very, very late Monday afternoon. Um, and then the worst part, really, that took care of the pain. The epidural was great. Um, but I just was so hungry. Of course, I couldn't eat for that that amount of time. So I was just starving. That that had to be miserable. It was, it was very miserable. Because how many, so was that pretty much like two full days that you were in labor? 43 hours. Wow. That is insane. Yes. It was not, not fun. Oh my goodness. So at the time, at the point where things started to progress, did it, did it go pretty smoothly at that point? Um, yeah, finally, I ended up, I pushed for like three hours. And then once once everything was finished, I was fine. And um, I had gotten a lot of fluid um, just from having the IV. So I spent several days just um, waiting for all the fluid to, to go down. Um, so that was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, that does not sound like a pleasant experience at all. It it was not, unfortunately. No. So after you left the hospital, what did your maternity leave look like? And you said that you were still at this point living in your studio, correct? Yes. Yes, I was. I had a very um, – I'm not even sure that I could really call it a maternity leave. Um, I still had – when I stopped teaching, I still had two weeks left in the semester, which originally what I had planned was I would be done teaching right before my due date. But because it was such an awful winter, that ended up pushing my schedule back a little bit. Um, So I ended up teaching six days after I gave birth. And Ian got to – yeah. And Ian got to have his first class at six days old, which was really cool. (sighs) I can't get over that. I can't even imagine doing that at six days postpartum. My families were extremely understanding and they took it easy on me. And I only taught, I think I had two classes that night and then one class a couple days later. So it wasn't too bad. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It it wasn't too bad. 
That's amazing. You are like superwoman. I'm amazed. <laughs> I went back at five weeks and even then I was thinking, wow, this is pretty soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good for you. Now, I, well, I think it helped that we were living right there. So Ian was right there and my husband was right there. So that's true. It, that helped tremendously. And then with hospice, I had missed FMLA by like two weeks. Oh. So because I took off a little early um, with my patients waning, um, I ended up having to go back to that, I think about two and a half weeks after giving birth. But I was per diem and they were very, very, very flexible with me. So they were like, as long as you get an hour or so in a week, you're good. Um, so I just went to see clients that were really close to where I lived or I did, they had um, little events they would do at um, the nursing facilities. And I did a couple of those. So it, it wasn't too bad. And my mom watched, um, watched my son. So I knew where he was going to be and I knew he would be safe and comfortable. So. Right. And that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I'm just like, my mind is still reeling over you <laughs> teaching classes at six days after having a baby. <laughs> it's amazing. So then after, after that, did you just keep working or did you finally take some time off? Um, I kept working. I mean, I made a very, very gradual, um, very gradual steps back into working, um, more of a full-time schedule. I don't think I got back into a full-time schedule really, um, honestly until probably January. So I, I kept it pretty low key. It it wasn't, it really wasn't too bad. (laughs) So what other things were you doing during this time aside from working? How were you kind of filling up your days when you were home with your son? I was completing my Medicaid waiver application, become a Medicaid waiver provider for my, my business, um, which that I finally, I completed that in August and then got everything finalized. The state approved it, I believe in November. And then I started taking waiver clients. At, so officially providing music therapy through my business in December. And how old was your son at that point? Um, in December, he would have been um, just about seven and a half months. And what did he do? Did, was he with your husband when you were at work or did you have another childcare set up? Um, for a while, my mom watched him. Um, my mom mostly took him and then my sister also watched him a little bit. And then I think it was maybe February of this year, we started taking him to um, a home daycare of a friend of ours. And that has worked out. He goes now four days a week. And that's worked out really well. He loves it. I drop him off and he's just like, bye mom. See you later. No issue. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So did you feel like you had to make any changes as far as your career in order to fit in your role as a mom? Obviously, my my son comes first. So there were days that he was just having a rough day, especially – you know, when you're nursing and you're going through any kind of teething or um, the cluster feeding, I would just adjust my schedule. I, I would be like, you know what? My son comes first. I can adjust my schedule and reschedule things and just make it work. So um, that's basically what I did. 
which was really nice to have um, have the opportunity to do that, have that freedom, because I know not everybody does. Yeah, that's that's one of the most incredible things about private practice is that you can mm-hmm. you can shift your schedule and you can really tailor it to meet the needs of your family. Yes. Yeah. So do you feel like as far as a practicing music therapist that you've changed at all or evolved since becoming a mom? Oh, absolutely. I know for me, I am so much more understanding with my families when they have to miss or reschedule because I get it. I understand that kids are so much more unpredictable than uh, what I you know, ever had any kind of understanding of before having a child. So I don't get upset when somebody has to cancel or, or reschedule. It's like, okay, I get it. No problem when I'm just a lot more flexible with that than I used to be. Yeah. I found that to be true for myself as well. It's amazing Mm -hmm. how you just have like that complete empathy that comes over you for your families once you have been there and done that and know about Mm -hmm. how those last minute things happen. And that's just life as a parent. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what have been some of your biggest challenges as far as being a working mom and especially as a business owner? Um, the constant give and take between, you know, my first baby, my business and, you know, my, my son, um, it, all the, the give and take with that, because you've got, it, it's so hard not to have that guilt of, oh, I really need to focus on this with my business and, and do this to grow it or take care of, you know, this billing or this aspect because right now it's just it's just me running everything. My husband teaches um, some of the private lessons, like I said before, but I do all the admin work and all the therapy and all the classes and um, that's a lot to balance. And then you've got, I've got my son and trying to make sure that I am spending as much time as possible with him and not, um, not zoning out when, when it's time for us to be together. I need to make sure that I am being completely present with him. And that's, that is really a challenge. And of course, when he was younger, um, balancing, um, as you know, balancing breastfeeding and, and working and trying to, uh, make that all work. Yeah, it is so hard. It is mm-hmm. it is a daily struggle. I mean, I'm going through that right now since my baby is only four months old. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, I mean, your life kind of has to revolve around that because you're, you know, sustaining your child pretty much. And yeah, it um, does. Yeah. And so I've, I've had some, some challenges, especially now compared to when I was in the same position with my son Parker back then, mm-hmm. my business was on a much smaller scale. I worked from home, and so it, it just was an easier. It, it wasn't easy, but it was easier than it is now. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely finding that to be a challenge, which is why I love talking to other moms who have been there and who have made it work, and I get so much inspiration from them because you know, you learn tips and tricks and ways to make it just a little bit more doable. 
Mm -hmm. That's what I've loved about this podcast is getting to hear everyone's, um, everyone's viewpoints. Yeah. Oh, I know. Me too. I always say that this, I started this podcast so selfishly because I wanted to like have these mom hacks and these music therapist hacks of, okay, Mm -hmm. how does she do it? How does this person do it? So Hmm. it's, it's been really cool to hear everybody's different, um, approaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I totally get where you're coming from about balancing your time between your first child because I really do feel like my business is my first child and mm-hmm. and your actual children because they both need your time, they both need your attention, and it, it never ends. Your work never ends as a mom. Your work never ends as a business owner. That is so true. And being in a career like ours where it's hard not to be passionate. I mean, I've not met a single music therapist who is not completely passionate about what they do. That kind of feeds into all of that. We, we have this passion. And then on top of that, we're business owners. So we're passionate about our businesses. Exactly. And I think that's a big part of the challenge of our work because mm-hmm. so much goes into obviously the business aspect, but then there's the planning that goes into your sessions and the work that you do for your clients specifically. So it's like these two sides of our work that it's it's kind of like double the amount of work because we're doing all of these things. It is. Yeah. How do you logistically find the time in your day to do all of, all of the things that are required? Um, well, one thing I've become a morning person, I used to never be a morning person. Um, but now I get up usually between five and five thirty, and I take some me time and I will read blogs or I will take care of anything that I can take care of first thing in the morning. And I will say, I know I am so incredibly lucky that my son will sleep until basically until I wake him up. He sleeps like his father. Um, Yeah, he's, I, I know I am just so lucky with how well he sleeps. You had a perfect pregnancy. You have a good sleeper. That's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very amazing. So I'm almost nervous to have another one Uh because nobody gets that lucky. Twice. Yeah. Yes. Well, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the most fulfilling aspects for you of being a working mom? Um, for me, knowing that I can do more than I ever thought possible. If someone would have said, you know, five years ago that I would be doing all of this and be a parent and I would have thought that was impossible. I, I don't know. I wasn't sure how anybody could get all of that done. Um, and knowing that I can be the kind of parent that I want to be and and still work and still do everything I want to do career wise. Um, you know, I can still I I can still um you know breast we breastfed up to 15 months and um not exclusively. I mean, we kind of did a little bit of both, but to be able to continue to do that and we, you know, we cloth diaper and so I know a lot of people are so are nervous about cloth diapering and being able to do that and work, but you know, it's, it's doable. Um, and then also just knowing that I am 
setting an example for my son that, you know, you really can follow your dreams and build something for yourself while still remaining family focused. Yeah, I think that is so important. And I think that as he gets older and he realizes what you're doing, he'll appreciate it and it'll be even more rewarding for you to see Mm -hmm. him understand that, you know, mommy has her own business and, you know, she has her own um, studio where she works and she helps children. And so it's, I know that for me, have being able to bring my son to my work and having him come to my music classes and participate and see me in my element is just like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And it's so fulfilling to me. I think that I totally agree with you that that's one of the best aspects of doing it all because it's not easy sometimes, but no, I, think that, all. I think that that um, makes up for the challenges. All right. Well, we talk so much about self-care as therapists and how important it is. So you mentioned that you take some time for yourself in the mornings, but what are some some other ways that you implement self-care practice? Well, I try to run. Um, I don't get in as many runs as I would like, um, especially since I'm supposed to be training for a half marathon. I'm not doing quite as well as I, I hope to, but Getting out and run, running really helps a lot to just clear my head and help me help me relax and focus. Um, I've also started reading for enjoyment again, which I didn't do for quite a while. I really enjoy reading business-related books and the self-improvement books and stuff, but I've also finally gotten myself back into reading more um, fiction and psychological psychological thrillers. How do you find the time to read? Because that's something that I've really been struggling with. Um, I have my Kindle and I read for just a little bit before I go to bed. See, I try to do that too. And the minute I start reading, I'm like falling asleep. (laughs) I'm going to just have to try harder because Mm -hmm. I love reading and I've always been such a bookworm. And there are so many things on and I keep buying books on Kindle Mm -hmm. to read And then they just keep piling up because I just have a hard time fitting it in and it puts me to sleep. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to work on that. Yeah, I have started making myself go to bed a little bit earlier because I also used to be very much a night owl. But I've started making myself go to bed about 10 o'clock so that way I'm not so tired when I get in bed. Yeah, that's smart. Especially since you get up so early too. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for fellow music therapists, especially those that are also business owners? Give yourself a lot of grace and um, make sure you extend that grace to your partner. Uh, No one is a perfect parent and all of us make mistakes. So don't beat yourself up over your mistakes. Just, I think giving yourself a lot of grace is so important. And that's something that I've learned. Yeah, it, it is something that needs to be learned because I, I feel like, especially for people like us that are involved in a lot and have a lot going on, mm-hmm. we expect ourselves to be superhuman at times and it just doesn't work that way. So having that grace and, and forcing yourself to accept that is so important. Yes. So Morgan, do you have any projects or music therapy related news to share with us? 
Um, I do. I have a blog that I've started and I'm trying to get um, more consistent in writing on it. It's called mtmompreneur.com and it's just where I am starting to share my own journey as, um, as a mom and a business owner. Um, so the different, the different things that I'm dealing with and things that I've noticed. So I'm hoping to um, grow that blog uh, over the past uh, next few months. Yeah, and I have to say that I have read your blog, and um, back when Julie Palmieri had her music therapist blogging challenge, mm -hmm. and you participated in that, I loved yes. following along and reading your entries, so highly Thank recommend, you. yeah, that everybody check out your blog, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. Great. Thank you very much. Of course. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for sharing your story and being on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Morgan a message, you can contact her via email msparks at rhythmgardenmusic.com or her website mtmompreneur.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And I would really appreciate if you would take just a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes so that it reaches even more listeners. I'll talk to you again next week.